But next-gen sequencing, the beautiful thing about it is that it takes away any stigma related to ethnic background. So it's really changed it from being let's target one gene and see what comes out of it and now it's sort of let's throw out this net and see what comes back from that and support the family based on what we find. Welcome to the Illumina Genomics Podcast, where leading scientists discuss their genomics research and how genomics is shaping their understanding of science and nature. Here's your host, Paul Broman. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 50 of the Genomics Podcast. I am Paul Broman, your host, and I'm also the Scientific Affairs Lead at Illumina. Welcome back if you're a subscriber. And if you're new to the show, then our podcast is all about breakthroughs in science and medicine and genomics. In today's episode, we're going to talk about carrier screening. So what is carrier screening and why does it matter? Well, it's a kind of genetic test that looks for specific DNA sequence variations or variants that are linked to genetic diseases, and in particular linked to autosomal recessive diseases. Now, that just means that if you had one of these DNA variants, you'd be just fine. But if you and your partner both have the same DNA variant, then you'd be at an increased risk of having a baby with an inherited genetic disorder. So carrier screening can be done to characterize your chances of having a child with a genetic disorder. And it's often done before pregnancy or can be done during pregnancy as well. To discuss all of that, we're joined today by Zoe Milgram. She's the founder and director of clinical operations at Eugene Labs. Zoe, welcome to the Genomics Podcast. It's really great to have you on the show today. And can you start our discussion by introducing the concept of preconception carrier screening? What do we mean by that? Genetic carrier screening is really like a checkup for your genes. So we know that all humans carry about 23,000 genes in pairs, inheriting half a set from their mum and half a set from their dad. And there are many wonderful things that are passed on from generation to generation, but there are also gene variants which can affect the function of certain genes. Genetic carrier screening is an opportunity to identify recessive or X-linked gene changes, which don't typically cause any health effects for the person who carries that change, But when considering reproductive planning, it all of a sudden becomes very important about what combination of gene variants are carried by each partner. And so genetic carrier screening is essentially a checkup for your genes to try and identify if you and your partner share a gene variant, which could be passed on and lead to the birth of a child with a devastating genetic disease. Why did you decide to start this company? I mean, what was the medical need that you you felt wasn't being addressed? And um, how are you trying to address that medical need? Sure. So I worked for about 10 years across the public and private healthcare sectors within Australia and uh, worked both in a prenatal and obstetric setting and also within an IVF setting and also spent a long time supporting families who had a child born with a yet-to-be-diagnosed genetic condition and supporting them through that journey. Working within the public and private healthcare sectors, I recognised that there was definitely a lot of demand for genetic counsellors and genetic testing and often these wait lists could blow out to the six-month waiting period while people were trying to access these tertiary-level support services 
you know, 10 years ago, genetic technologies and genetic tests were very expensive. And so obviously a lot has changed in the last 10 to 15 years and we've gone from single gene sequencing, SNP arrays, all these different technologies, which by no means am I an expert at all. <laughs> but we've come to a point where we've got this incredible technology called next-gen sequencing, which everyone is probably quite familiar with. And the ability to test, you know, many, many genes at one time with a very small DNA sample, which doesn't necessarily have to be blood, has opened up an enormity in terms of the capacity of these genetic tests. And so creating a space where people can be supported to access genetic testing was really important. There was a huge need for it in my eyes coming from the healthcare sector. And we were starting to see a huge growth in the direct-to-consumer market. And really we wanted to create a safe space where people could access these tests outside of specialists' clinics, you know, really improve the access to these tests, be really mindful about how inclusive we are, that these tests service all humans regardless of ethnicity, of race, of prior genetic health history and, you know, make sure that everyone out there has the ability to access ethical, actionable, you know, medical-grade genetic testing in a safe and supported way where they can, you know, improve their, their options when it comes to reproductive testing in, in this case. I'd like to talk a little bit about the technology. I know you mentioned you're not an expert in the technology, but just to give people some sense out there, can you talk about what the technologies were like 10 years ago? What were people doing and how have the technologies progressed until now? In terms of the technologies themselves, I mean, things have changed from simple fish-based tests, which, um, as most people would know, uh, fluorescence in situ, in situ hybridization, which was very much originally looked to identify chromosome disorders, so large changes, numerical changes. When we get down to single genes, there's been lots of different technologies, which I won't list off. But really, for us, the huge change in the genetic carrier screening landscape has been from not only the cost to access larger panels, but these technologies, which all of a sudden take us out of needing to know about specific gene variants within different ethnic groups and really using next-gen sequencing to sequence these coding regions from end to end and give us the opportunity and the bioinformatics to interpret what comes out of that. But next-gen sequencing, the beautiful thing about it is that it takes away any stigma related to ethnic background. It opens up these huge panels to anyone regardless of their history. So you don't need to know about a specific mutation in a family to then test a non-symptomatic person. It's really, you know, throwing out a huge net. And by working with these fantastic laboratories, we're able to get a really workable result, which we can then interpret and provide support to families. So it's really changed it from being, let's target one gene and see what comes out of it. And now it's sort of, let's throw out this net and see what comes back from that and support the family based on what we find. You mentioned fish and the search for chromosomal abnormalities, right? So what kinds of genetic changes are people typically looking at when you do prenatal carrier screening? Sure. So with genetic carrier screening, we're not looking for chromosome changes. So we're looking at a subset of genes which are typically inherited in an autosomal recessive pattern or an X-linked pattern where carrier parents are healthy 
in 90% of cases, these couples have no personal or family history of these diseases. And really what we're doing is trying to identify if there are gene variants within these genes that affect the function of that gene. And then if passed on in combination with a variant in the same gene from both parents, there would be a 25% chance of having a baby born with that disease. We actually did recently a podcast on NIPT, and we, we were talking about trisomy 21, extra copy of, of chromosome 21. And in that podcast, the person that we were talking to said that the risk of developing Down syndrome increases with maternal age, and uh, it's a, the risk of Down syndrome is 1 in 700 births, right? The mutations that you're screening for, mm-hmm. how common are they? So inherited genetic diseases are individually rare, but when we group them all together, they're actually quite common. So the chance of having a baby born with an inherited genetic condition is about 1%. 1%? Yeah, it's actually seven times more likely than having a baby born with Down syndrome, yet the awareness around this risk is obviously much less. Right. And so, you know, individually they are incredibly rare and for many families, 90% of families, there's no family history. And so it's something that we're really working hard to improve the awareness about the availability of these technologies and really more so, you know, acknowledging that everyone's decisions and choices about how they choose to have a family are personal, but ensuring that everyone who does want information is able to access that information in a safe space. And we always discuss with our clients if any risks are identified, all their reproductive choices are valid and viable. And and we're really about empowering people to make decisions that are right for them based on their religious beliefs or background or perception of risk is, you know, it's a very personal thing. Unlike the chromosomal abnormalities, the risk of having one of these mutations doesn't depend on maternal age, right? No. So these gene variants are typically things that you were born with. So they were part of the egg or sperm that went to make you, were passed on to you by your parents. In many cases, these gene variants are shared within families. So siblings are also more likely to be carriers if an individual is identified. Their siblings are also at increased chance of being healthy carriers. Um, But these aren't things that typically change with maternal age. In your opinion, and based on your experience as a genetic counsellor, what kind of information are women looking for? You know, what's their expectation for carrier screening? And, you know, how do you provide guidance or counselling about first, you know, the technology that's used in carrier screening and and Mm -hmm. also some of the results? How do you you follow up with those those individuals? Sure. So I think, you know, innately humans want... To have children and they, their hopes and dreams for those children, that they are healthy um, and that they have an open future with, full of promise and hope. And I think when women and men and, and uh, are planning families, they ideally want to be as informed as they can to make the best choices for that future well-being of their child. In Australia, the uptake of NIPT has been incredibly well received. I think 80% of couples who are offered NIPT in in an obstetric setting choose to have that test. Wow, that's quite high. So clearly information is deemed to be very powerful and important to families as they're planning, you know, these pregnancies and hoping for the best outcomes. Obviously, this isn't a test for everyone. There There are many, many people out there who would never change the course of a pregnancy no matter what they found out. 
but certainly for couples who, who want information and who are open to pregnancy management changes or, you know, obviously this test is ideal before, so in the planning stages of pregnancy, they're finding this incredibly powerful and, you know, we're trying really to bring genetic carrier screening to market at the, at the lowest physical cost that we can to ensure that this is truly accessible to everyone, no matter who you are, where you are, um, or what your background is. So in the United States, we have clinical societies that provide guidance for clinicians on what should be offered to women at, you know, at what stage. And for obstetrics in particular, we have the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, or ACOG. There are mm-hmm. others, but ACOG provides physicians with guidelines on things like prenatal screening and NIPT, right? Yeah. So what kind of clinical organizations provide that guidance in Australia, and what is the guidance that they give to physicians when it comes to prenatal screening? Sure. So the two main bodies that we're currently working under the guise of our RANSCOG, which is the Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Obstetrics and Gynecology. So the equivalent... That's a mouthful. Sure is. We love, <laughs> we love acronyms, so that's handy. But RANSCOG is essentially the equivalent of ACOG. Okay. And about one month ago, they came out with their new guidelines. And the guidelines stated that all couples who are planning a pregnancy or within the first trimester of pregnancy should be informed about the availability of genetic carrier screening. And so the impetus is now on healthcare professionals to inform people about the availability of this test. By no means is it something that all couples choose to do or have to do, but I think the awareness around the potential risks of inherited genetic diseases and the options available to people is certainly becoming more common within that pregnancy conversation. The Royal Australian College of General Practitioners also have in their guidelines that all couples planning or recently conceived should be made available or made aware of the availability of genetic carrier screening. Obviously, there are many panels or collections of genes which can be screened and historically couples only of specific ethnicities were offered specific gene panels so we have a very popular test in Australia which includes cystic fibrosis, spinal muscular atrophy and fragile X and the approach is to test the female partner first obviously because there's an X-linked condition in there. We're wanting to make sure that the information is appropriate that's received and manageable within the context of pregnancy. We also had ethno-specific panels, so the Ashkenazi Jewish community is obviously well-researched and there's a lot of information out there about specific diseases which are prevalent within that community. Obviously in Australia we have a huge Mediterranean community. I think we have the biggest Greek population outside of Athens. Is that right? I think so. Wow. Don't quote me on that. (laughs) But obviously thalassemia screening is a really important part of obstetric care. But as these panels grow, being able to offer large panels which are inclusive of all ethnicities and all all risks faced by people, these panels become really favourable. And when the cost of these large panels is not too different to smaller panels, the ability to offer more extensive panels or uh, screening tests to couples becomes quite attractive. Obviously, you know, Uh, being able to reduce the risk of having a baby born with one of these devastating conditions is what any doctor would hope to provide reassurance to their clients. And and we definitely see that for people who have this large panel, which we offer, 
only about two and a half percent of couples are identified at being at, at high risk of having a child with one of these diseases. So there's definitely a lot of conversations where people are given reassurance that we've reduced the chances, but we can never eliminate that chance. So how do you incorporate genetic counselling into, into the platform that you offer? So all couples who access genetic carrier screening through Eugene are provided with a pre-test appointment with one of our genetic counsellors where we really take the time to get to know that couple, to get to know what their expectations are of this test and their hopes for the pregnancy. And we really try and build a framework which supports their personal beliefs but make sure that they understand the potential implications of a test and how that might change the way they feel not only about themselves but about their choices around pregnancy. And so genetic counselling is very, very much about having a really sound scientific and genomic understanding, but also acknowledging that human experience is actually the most important part. And, you know, we can do a test and give them the results and that's sort of a, a contained process, but really how that information impacts that couple in the future and ensuring that they feel empowered at the end of our journey with them to make decisions and, and that they're informed about what options are available to them is really what makes genetic counselling quite a unique profession. Mm -hmm. I really love being able to combine my geek side with, <laughs> <laughs> with, you know, really engaging with couples and supporting them and making sure that, that they feel comfortable with this new knowledge. So you're offering genetic counselling to everyone. Yeah. That's pretty amazing, actually, because I think that's not typical for, for what women are going through when they do carrier screening. Absolutely. So that's great. Yeah, yeah that's so, really great. You know, genetic carrier screening is offered by lots and lots of different healthcare providers or sometimes people are ordering this of their own accord, although that's a, a very new sort of part of the field. But we recognise that, you know, in order for people to get the maximal benefit and, and least damage out of a test like this, you know, they really need to understand what that is and, and we very much believe that an informed client is, is a, a healthiest client. So how do you see this market developing in the future when it comes to carrier screening? I mean, do you think that this trend in people wanting access to more information is going to continue? Yeah, I absolutely believe that genomic testing is going to be part of mainstream healthcare. I think, you know... A lot of these genomic technologies are influencing people's health choices. I think genetic carrier screening is becoming, you know, just a standard part of obstetric choice and care. And I think there needs to be an avenue for people to access it in a supportive environment with, with teams that understand what genetic carrier screening actually is. People are very concerned about privacy. Right. And really for us, we're really worried about it too. And so the framework that we've developed is really all about best practice, just in a modern setting. So taking it online, letting people have these conversations in the privacy of their own home. We really wanted to develop a healthcare service, which was like talking to your best friend who also happened to be a subject matter expert. So really creating a safe space where you can ask those questions that might otherwise be quite awkward, taking out the paternalistic sort of model of healthcare and really making healthcare on your own terms, but in a clinically and ethically sound way. I, I'm really impressed that not only do you offer the latest technology in, in this particular application, but 
everyone that comes to you is offered genetic counseling. And I think that's exactly the right way to do it. And I'm really glad that there are companies like yours that are doing things the right way. So thank you for talking to me and thanks for joining us on the Illumina Genomics Podcast. Thanks so much for having us. So NGS has really changed the game in how carrier screening is performed today. We've moved away from testing single genes to a much more comprehensive genetic testing approach. Although genetic screening tests are not conclusive and not intended for diagnosis, I really like the combination of genetic testing and genetic counseling that they do at Eugene. It's really important to help consumers to understand not just the results of the genetic test, but the consequences of their test results. In our next episode, we're going to continue our discussion on genomics and reproductive health. And if you don't want to miss that, just subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are found. Next time, I'll be talking with Dr. Mark Bowman. He's associate professor at the University of Sydney and the medical director of Genea. We'll be discussing the science and technology of in vitro fertilization and genetic screening right here on the Illumina Genomics Podcast. Podcast.